Hi, I'm Charles. And I'm Bailey. And you're listening to Hold Me, I'm Scared. Welcome back to Hold Me, I'm Scared, where every week we take a fear and explore it. This week we are talking about amusement parks. Um, Now, I know you and I both love amusement parks. We do. We love an amusement park. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just think they're so fun. But it's like, I am scared when I'm on an amusement ride. I just, it's a fun type of scared. Oh, yeah. Sometimes. Sometimes you're not fun scared. (laughs) Sometimes I'm not fun scared. Sometimes I think I've experienced sensations very close to uh, passing out. So, yeah. I get to watch, which is a good time. Um, Yeah, so I figured, I think what frightens people most about amusement parks or like the most common fear would probably be like injuries or death from rides. So I have some facts and figures on that to start us off that may soothe you. Um, So this is basically like verbatim copy pasted from a Trip Savvy article by Suzanne Rowan Keller. Thanks, Suzanne. Um, So the International Association of Amusement Park Rides and Attractions uh, says that roller coaster deaths are super rare. They did a ride safety report in 2017 that surveyed U.S. and Canadian amusement facilities. And the overall finding was that there were only 0.62 injuries per million rides in that year. So an estimated total of 1,035 injuries took place on rides that year, with about 10% of the injuries requiring immediate hospitalization for over 24 hours. Uh, most injuries happen on family and adult rides, and then that fo- that's followed by roller coasters and children's rides. So there was a 2013 study by the Center for Injury Research and Policy at Nationwide Children's Hospital, and it researched injuries in children in relation to rides at fixed-site amusement parks, mobile rides at fairs and festivals, and rides found at local malls, arcades, stores, and restaurants. And um, among the injuries that they found, head and neck injuries were the most common, followed by injuries to the arms and then the face, and the legs. Soft tissue injuries were the most common, followed by strains and sprains, cuts, and broken bones. So broken bones were actually the least common type of injury that they found. Yeah, I feel like that doesn't make me feel any better, but it is interesting. (laughs) I mean, I don't love a head and neck injury either. That's a little spooky. But yeah, so (laughs) that's what I have. (laughs) Facts and figures. (laughs) I mean, hey, those are some good facts and figures. I... You know, I do think that's the top reason as to why I'm probably more afraid of, like, amusement park rides. Yeah. Is in amusement parks, like, that's my that's my biggest fear is being injured or dying. Because, I mean, come on. Some of these rides take you thousands of feet into the air at speeds humans do not go. And catapult you and string you back and forth. And it's insane. Yeah, I am super afraid of heights, so I can't do those rides that, like, lift you up really high if they're indoors, or if they're outdoors. Like, if I can see the environment around me and, like, see how high I am, I can't handle it. I can do things like the Tower of Terror because it's inside and you can't see where you're going, and for some reason that is less scary to me than seeing how far up I am. 
That's crazy. I mean, I. I mean, I no, I I guess I feel that I. There was that one. Ride that it's like a big claw arm, and it swings back and forth like a pendulum, and it goes higher and higher and higher while simultaneously your seats are spinning on the claw part. And seeing how high I was from the ground, I was like, if I fell out, You're, I'm not going to make it. No. Like, it... God, it was terrible. I was, like, sing at the time. I was, like, singing a worship song. <laughs> <laughs> to, like, soothe myself. Oh, my gosh. And when you got off the ride, there was only one set of footprints. And that was Jesus carrying you. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Um, um, I also think that some amusement parks are deeply haunted, right? They have to be. Oh, girl, I am 100% a supporter of that theory. But I also just want to note what just happened because it was hilarious. We had some technical difficulties. And <laughs> while waiting for Bailey to connect, I just heard silence. And out of the blue came a loud sneeze. And I screamed. And we laughed about it for a good 30 seconds. But yes, I... I am, that's what I was trying to find a story about that yeah. with more like credibility, but I couldn't really, so I had to go with something else, which was kind of sad. Um, but there is some footage out there and I encourage you to look it up. A lot of people try to scatter their ashes in um, Disney's Haunted Mansion. I didn't know that. That's weird. A lot of people, like, I mean, and when I say a lot of people, like if they catch you doing it, you'll be like banned from Disney. <laughs> um, I read, uh, like, during my research today, I came across this thing that said that Disney's overrun with feral cats. Overrun with feral cats? Yeah, but I didn't read any more into it. That's hilarious. I know. Apparently that's a thing. The most magical right, place then. on Earth. Um, Who starts this? Like? I do. Mm. I do. Okay. And speaking of feral cats and things being overrun, <laughs> I really wanted... Okay, this ends up being about something else called Dismal Land, but I wanted to touch on three abandoned parks mm. and their history that were overrun. Um, the first one was in Japan called Nara Dreamland. <clears throat> oh my goodness. And me and Bailey we went to Nara. We're in Nara. Yeah, we went to Nara in Japan. It's where these deer are and they are in this park and they bow to you and you feed them and they nip at your clothes and one it's fully tried to eat my shorts. Yes. One did. Check it out on our YouTube channel. <laughs> or well, we don't have a YouTube channel. My YouTube channel. What's yours is mine. That's what you agreed yeah, to tacitly when we got married. At Charles J. Davis. Anyway, um, so Nara Dreamland. This was back in the late 1950s when Kunizo Matsuo, a Japanese businessman and president of the Matsuo Entertainment Company, visited the United States. And as part of his trip, he went to the new Disneyland in Anaheim. And he was like, this is great. This is wonderful. We love to see it. I got to do this in Japan. So he gets to meet with legit Walt Disney, and he's like, hey, you, um, I think we should build some sort of, like, Disneyland Japan kind of thing. And Disney is like, okay. So 
they're talking about it. They, I mean, they get into the production of it. It starts to get, I think it's like almost completely done, like 75% done or something like that. And then Matsuo and Disney had disagreements about the licensing fees for Disney characters and oh, so he didn't want to build a park inspired by Disney. He wanted to build a Disneyland yeah. in. Yeah. Okay. They do have one so, now in Tokyo. They do, which we'll get into that. Mm. Um, so then Disney backed out and uh, Matsuo was left with this park, right? And he's like, well, I guess we'll just call it Dreamland We'll replace these Disney ideas with these two, like, weird little white children that were British royal guards. They were, like, the main deal. And we'll open it up. So, wait, that was, like, the theme was two small white children dressed up as British royal guards. That was the... uh You know, like, with the fuzzy hats (laughs) and the... Yeah, that was like um, the thing. That was the Mickey Mouse. Well, that, those were like that was yeah, that was Mickey Mouse. Okay, which <laughs> um, not as successful as you might think. Except it lasted basically till like 1983. And why 1983? You may ask because Tokyo Disneyland was created and obviously was a huge success. And then in 2001. Uh, Universal popped up. So from 1983 and on, all the way until 2006, they lost about 400,000 visitors a year. And in tw- so they closed in 2006, and in 2016, it was completely demolished. So you can't go look at remnants. You can't, like, there are so videos wait, up. You're telling me that the two British children did not attract as much attention as Mickey Mouse and, like, the Hulk. I can't believe that. I can't believe that they weren't. (laughs) I mean, I know it's very, very hard to believe, but, uh, you know, until they had real Disney, they were the talk of the town, man. Those two little kids from Nara Dreamland, or sorry, or just Dreamland, they were really, they were the pinnacle of, like, amusement park success in japan and it's there are there's quite a lot of footage of dreamland and people who visited it when it was visited it that's right that's right who went there when it was uh abandoned and so you can see what it looked like very exciting i really encourage you to go look it up um similar story in china this one is a little bit more sad. It's called, and a lot more recent, called Sino Wonderland. And it was in 2013 in the Huainan, uh, China province. Uh, they were going to make a huge amusement park that was like, screw Disney, screw Six Flags, screw Universal. We're going to have like our thing, even though it's going to be very inspired by like Disney and Universal and whatever. So... They were in production, right? They're spending all of this money on it. And I mean, close to, I think, what I researched was about like 800-something million in our money. And uh, it was going to open in 2014. 
Well, it never got finished. It got to about like 75% done and and they they just can never finish it. Funding ran out and it's just there, just sitting there. Um, and there's a very, there's another park there before this park that was called Wonderland that was trying to be built, couldn't get built and just has like one remnant in a field. Now the farmers use it like as their space to grow their crops. And there's like a dilapidated castle just sitting there. Very eerie, but also kind of cool. Um, once again, I would encourage you to please go look up because it's just, it's so cool, right? And I can't show you because you're on a podcast. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. But there are a lot of abandoned tours of these places and it's really cool. There's even daily this one part that is this castle inspired thing and it's like half or like a third Roman Grecian, a third uh, English medieval and a third like Egyptian all together. It's cool, but also like what? Um, yeah, I don't know if she'll ever be finished. That was seven years ago. So I, I'm going to go with a no. So are, they, are these places like overgrown with like plants? Mm-hmm. Lots of plants and some packs of dogs. I love that. That Those are yeah. deeply haunted places. Oh, my God. Well, and the... I the only reason I would think that Sino wasn't deeply haunted is because nobody ever got to go there. Nobody ever got but, to. But I feel like a, a an abandoned theme park is a place where dreams went to die, mm. and I feel like that must attract a lot of negative. It might. Or like, yeah, I'm gonna say I I prefer them haunted. So that's. <laughs> I, you know, that's honestly, my head I, I do prefer haunted unless that comes into the detriment of my well-being, like the screws coming loose on a roller coaster and me flying off. Hasn't happened yet. Still could. Um, well, people are riding the rides. I mean, really. Um, the last little park that was semi-abandoned was the Land of Oz in on Beach Mountain in Blue Ridge Mountains, North Carolina. So, in like 1966, there were three brothers, and they decided to build an entertainment complex, and they were like, this is going to be a ski resort. Well, in America, we really don't have a lot of places that have a constant winter, or a very long winter, so it's kind of dumb to have a ski resort in North Carolina. I don't know. Um, So, they were like, actually, you know what, since winter doesn't last that long, and they can't really ski... Um, only but like one certain part of the year I we're actually obsessed with the Wizard of Oz so let's actually make this a Wizard of Oz theme park great and it was a good idea it opened in like 1970 but it closed 10 years later and so I mean they had people like uh what's his name Ray Ray Bolger or something the dude who played the scarecrow he cut the ribbon uh, Debbie Reynolds took herself and Carrie Fisher to visit there, and uh, it was an exciting place for a minute. And actually, uh, sort of rumored to say that Debbie Reynolds was really kind of obsessed with Wizard of Oz a little bit, and, and who wouldn't be? It's a very iconic film and piece of cinema, and uh, MGM... Like the first... 
Technicolor film, I think, or one of the earliest. I think, or like one of the first, yeah. Yeah. Um, MGM decided sometime around like the 60s, 70s to have an auction of like actual Wizard of Oz movie prop stuff, including one of Judy Garland's gingham dresses. So, that which I didn't know she had more than one. Uh, so, the dudes who started Land of Oz got one. And Carrie Fisher. I meant Debbie Reynolds. Or wanted it, and they were like, "Look, you can borrow it in our off season, but just give it back." I don't know. And she was like, "Okay, cool," which is, I don't know why that was important to mention, but that was part of it. So, in the nineteen. 19- 70s, 1975 specifically, December 28th, it says, a devastating fire swept through Oz and destroyed a lot of the park's props and uh, that was in like storage for the winter and it burned down like the whole Emerald City section and it says the theater and gift shop were damaged and Garland's gingham dress went missing. Some don't know if it burned or if Debbie Reynolds took it or... If just somebody random took it, um, no one knows. It wasn't until, so like it closed very shortly after that. And it wasn't until the 1990s that the original cast members from the park were like, you know what, let's just open it a couple times a year. So now, because there was a very viral post of like a picture of a foggy yellow brick road that they had there, because they have a real yellow brick road and it is kind of cool. And it was like, this is an abandoned park, and it went super viral, but it actually has never been abandoned. They have quite a few events, like four, I think, a year or something, that they have like a little journey with Dorothy or dining with Dorothy, and that's like a whole thing that they do. So semi-abandoned, the pictures are pretty creepy when it's empty, and I... I don't know. I think there's a word for that. The feeling of like a place that's supposed to be very filled with people that is not. And it's empty. Thank you, Bailey. Um, (laughs) It's something more than empty. Like just, yeah, it gives you the, the good creeps. Ooh, the good creeps. But that makes sense, doesn't it? The good creeps. Yeah. It's a great band name. The Good Creeps. So this all led to something I discovered back in 2015, something called Dismal Land. And it appeared to be a sort of play on Disneyland, but instead of being an amusement park, it was called a bemusement park. And hmm. I thought it was a permanent park to stay open. Turns out it was an art installation slash amusement park that only lasted for about two weeks. But it was so interesting. And there's still plenty of videos and articles and pictures that, once again, I really encourage you to look at because it's just not the same. Not a visual medium, Charles. <laughs> I know. Um, Dismaland was by the street artist Banksy, and it was in England. And there were artistic themes of the apocalypse, anti-consumerism, social critiques on like celebrity culture, immigration, and law enforcement. And this is a text from the original official brochure. It says, 
Are you looking for an alternative to the soulless, sugar-coated banality of the average family day out, or just somewhere cheaper? Then this is the place for you, a chaotic new world where you can escape from the mindless escapism. Instead of a burger stall, we have a museum. In the place of a gift shop, we have a library. Well, we have a gift shop too. Bring the whole family to come and enjoy the latest addition to our chronic leisure surplus, a bemusement park, a theme park whose big theme is theme parks should have bigger themes. This event contains adult themes, distressing imagery, extended use of strobe lighting, smoke effects, and swearing. The following items are strictly prohibited. Knives, spray cans, illegal drugs, and lawyers from the Walt Disney Corporation. (laughs) Which I think is hilarious. So, I'm going to kind of talk to you about what was to be seen there. Um, Things that were very interesting and that I'm really glad that somebody documented because, like I said, you can't go back to this place, which is really sad. And I don't know. I mean, to me, it just sounds like some, like, edgelord dude in Tumblr, on Tumblr in his late teens being like, oh, I'm too smart for to enjoy the sugar-coated banality of having fun with my friends and family. So I replaced the gift shop with a library and just jerking himself off. And maybe he does. Um, I He might. I don't know the man. Apparently, a lot of people don't. He communicates strictly by email and remains very mysterious. I, I don't like Banksy. I should say that. Maybe it's controversial. Maybe it is. I think a lot just, of people don't. So... Yeah. When you enter the park <laughs> through, uh, um, you go through this like <clears throat> sort of cartoon, like people, they're real outfits and real items, but it has very like thick lines or it looks like something out of a cartoon. And there's security officers with scanners and all kinds of things. They ask you all kinds of questions and make you go through this whole like TSA process. Um, and you walk in and there's a giant pinwheel, but it's all tangled with plastic and there are games sort of that it literally says like winning is strictly prohibited like you can't win at any of these games um just like life there is a one that you put like a quarter into or whatever and it which which is this is what i like about this place is it really spoke on actual real things happening like problematic things happening in reality um this one was like immigrant boats that were really packed with um like very sad looking figurines of people and you can like steer the boat around but you can't help them do anything you can't help them like dock you can't help them get the ones that fell in the water um which i don't know i found that very insightful and there's a huge immigration problem can never help these people and they're just feeling lost because they can't go anywhere because nobody wants them in their countries um there are other things like reverse portraits where instead of getting your face drawn you have the back of your head drawn and the artist herself at the time who was doing it said that they can either be like surprisingly revealing to you or it forces you to make assumptions about people which I'm not sure exactly the point of that, but I do think it's 
very interesting because you don't really get to see the back of your head. I would love to have a portrait done in the back of my head, honestly. Would you want one? No. Uh, my hair never looks good from the back. Mine does. Maybe that's why. <laughs> one of my least favorite and favorite pieces, because as some of you might know, I'm a vegan and a very big animal environmental activist, so any pieces or attractions that were there, like this one, really um, speak out to me a lot. There was a carousel, and look, I love a carousel. I personally want to have a carousel someday just out in my backyard that I can ride at any time. (laughs) Um, And this one seems pretty normal, except there is a butcher on one section who's sitting on boxes that are labeled lasagna and above him is a carousel horse that is chained up like getting ready to be butchered horse lasagna horse lasagna Hmm. Hmm. i know Uh, exotic oh my gosh do you remember in japan that they have horse sashimi oh they do Mm -hmm. i'm glad i didn't need it (laughs) well we only went to vegan restaurants (laughs) not true we went to some that had just some options. You're right. Um, we didn't go to the horse shishimi place. We didn't go to the horse shishimi. Sh- I didn't. Oh. I didn't eat horse either. Thank God. Do, do you want to try it again? You want to take that nope. from the top? Nope. Okay. Um, there was also another one which I've got to watch that documentary about. What's it? The with the orca, blackfish, flipper. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is blackfish. Yeah, I gotta watch it. Somebody told me a real already... interesting fact about it. You've already watched it? No, I, I was saying oh. I, I just think I already feel bad enough. Oh. <laughs> like, I wouldn't go to SeaWorld already, so I think I'm not the target demographic. Yeah, which, speaking you of know? SeaWorld, there's like a, at one of the SeaWorlds, this very rundown, which I guess used to be cool roller coaster like water flume ride and I watched a video of it and it sucks I watched that like years ago um and people were like this was the best ride of my entire life and now look and I'm like you went to SeaWorld like I'm I don't know what your expectations were <laughs> like, apparently it's not, not very high I guess not speaking of uh orcas there is one that shows an orca jumping out of a toilet going through a hoop only to land in a small kiddie pool. Because, as we know, they are not allotted a lot of space. They should have the ocean. Instead, they have a kiddie pool. They have more than a kiddie pool, obviously. I don't know the gallon size. Probably somewhere in the hundred thousands. Big. Big. Very big. <laughs> um, but not big enough. Not def- ocean big. Definitely not big enough. Um, there was, despite... The Disneyland having a huge theme. There was an art gallery there that had 58 artists contribute a good amount of like political art, like a big mushroom cloud and um, one that was a set of, which honestly, any of this stuff, which all kind of makes me sad, is very relevant towards today. I mean, I know that was only seven years ago, but you'd think things would change. Uh, there was one that was, <clears throat> oh my gosh, what's happening to me? Help! <laughs> Just hack. Hack. Um, A Grim Reaper alone on a bumper car 
<laughs> wow. Just, that I love. He was just, there's just one bumper car and it's just spinning around and he kind of like bobs up and down while staying alive by the Bee Gees play. <laughs> um, not really <laughs> that, sure what the message any given moment, was. That any given moment is just what's happening in my brain. There's, <laughs> there's just this one lone bumper car <laughs> spinning around while the Bee Gees play. <laughs> the way he like, bounced up and down <laughs> it's very fun um one that really i don't i'm not even sure that i really understand what it means but it just kind of strung my cords right it was a construction light up sign that's usually i like, hated that i hated that expression please don't ever say that to me what again. did i say i don't even you said strung my cords right um let's change that to really just like well yeah like you know if i were a harp and it just made like a nice glissando across my harp strings. Okay, we get it. You you make music. Oh my god! No, whatever. <laughs> so, listen. It it was nice. It was a construction light sign that usually is like, "Hey, exit five is closed from today till tomorrow." But it said, "You are so complex that you don't always respond to danger." I don't even really fully know what that means but somehow I feel like I get it one big thing that I liked was a uh, like imagine a a large rectangular canvas that tilts to one side on one side is a father of a family who has all this food at the side of his table at the opposite end there is his family staring at him with no food on their table and right in front of that is a golf course where you can pay to play, but, like, you will always lose your ball. Like, your ball will just get lost each time. You cannot win. Um, all the workers there, too, have vests on that just say dismal, and they have Mickey Mouse ears. Um, but you will be, like, reprimanded for smiling too much or, like, laughing too much, and they never smile. And uh, I find that hilarious. Um, among us other things, there was a puppet show that showed um domestic violence as well as yeah the child advertising thing where uh, kids can get money to pay for or like to i think it's like play money to pay for like a playground section for them mm-hmm. but they have to take out a loan that has like a three thousand percent interest rate and swipe their card and automatically takes out all their money and then they get um a toy that just is called multicolored bits of plastic and it says on the sign you can get a free toy after three late payment charges <laughs> which i find very funny but which can is- you imagine it being like a child and thinking that you're going to an amusement park and your parents take you to this fucking thing yeah well which i will say the dude who headed this whole thing he was like don't bring your kids <laughs> like this is not a place for children this is you know, statements on our society. Please, well, I mean, he didn't even say that, but just like, just don't bring your kids. Um, but here's my favorite. So, because this was sort of a jab at Disneyland and Disney as the company, um, there was a dilapidated Disney castle, and in front of it, which this is like the coolest thing that I've ever seen in my life. Ariel is my favorite princess. She's in front 
in like the pool but she and it's a real statue it is like wiggled and wavy and it sort of looks like you're looking at it through a like broken television set and it just always looks like that it's one of the coolest things i've ever seen inside the castle was uh i think one of the more powerful pieces that showed um like a cinderella carriage wreck and her carriage is like upside down she's hanging out the window the horse is also laying down but at the same time it's like surrounded by all of this all these like paparazzi and media sort of a statement um and like the princess diana when she got in her car wreck i um, mean just how like media will pick the most like grotesque things and just blow them up for it is us. ghoulish how we're attracted to tragedy mm-hmm. like that it really as a society is. it's very worrisome and one of my favorite things which still applies to today i mean this was about uh, England, but it says since 19... It was a just a sign that says since 1995... 1,564 people have died in police custody or following police contact. Not a single officer has been convicted for any of their deaths. Hashtag ACAB. I was like, oh, man. That's still very relevant to today. Not mm-hmm. even in our country. They... So, yeah, the biggest thing was, like I said, that Cinderella carriage thing. And you have to exit through a gift shop like most amusement parks um which it actually was a gift shop but also like a statement on the consumerism so i wrote this as kind of like a small little paragraph of what i kind of gathered from all this in places like disney or other amusement parks universal and silver dollar city you you have a place to escape your daily life and have this false sense of like everything's okay here right and you you can forget about your job and all the awful things you're going through which sometimes is really nice but mm-hmm. what i like about Disneyland is that it forces you to remember the awful parts of our society and i looked this up years ago when it was actually uh, up and running and I didn't really understand it at all I thought it was just a creepy play on Disney and that really intrigued me but now six years later when my mind has actually been opened up more to the atrocities that we face in society I realized that as lovely as Disney is um, it's this little you know pocket of escapism that most of us strive to get to you know I can't I don't I can't think of a person in America at least who either has been to Disney or really, really wants to go to Disney. I don't know of many. It's one of the who greatest... Who haven't either gone or... Yeah, sorry, I'm not saying that go. backwards. Who, yeah, I, I can't think of a person who hasn't gone or aspires to go because it is one of the largest companies in the entire world. Um, mm-hmm. And it is a great place and provides very many lovely things, which I want to like make that clear is that I love Disney too. Um, it's fun, but sometimes when we find those little pockets, I feel like it gives us more of a reason to blind us to the fact of what is happening in our world and, you know, shies us away from that gritty realism. And I think there's ultimately a truth and wonder in both things. 
Disney and the like are meant to give us fun. And our life can be really upsetting and downright awful and very scary. Um, so these places give us the freedom to experience very positive feelings and experiences in our short time here because we don't have that long here. And it is nice to just experience places that just give you childlike joy. But um, Dismaland, to me, was a reminder that you can't ignore things around you, no matter how pretty they are. And not everyone has your best interests, and not everyone is willing to help. Um, Dismaland closed in September 2015, but nothing was wasted. All the building materials were recycled into shelters for homeless migrants. Yeah, so that was what I took a turn into. I, I never realized how deep Dismaland was. I just thought it was a theme park that was still up and running. Um, I didn't realize it was such a large art installation. See, I think this is where you and I are really different because you, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not saying that it's not valid, but you were very affected by this. I think it's so fucking stupid. <laughs> Why? Who do you think so? Um, so there is like this idea of like, trauma porn or emotional porn and to me things like this feel like that right because this is not this exhibition was not for people who whose daily reality is whose daily reality is what is depicted in the exhibit right it's for people of privilege who never think about these things it's and i guess it is to open their eyes but to me it reminds me like similar to how people would witness like public executions it's just it is for the people that attend it it is just a moment in time and I'm glad that they donated the materials after but I think there there would be more value in just whatever money they put into that using as direct aid to the causes that they wanted uh, to bring awareness to. Mm. Which I don't know if they did. I, there was no information on it, so who knows. Yeah, and I think I think that, um, I think a lot of times what, what things like this do is it just turns these very real traumas and indignities that, that people suffer because of are inherent like or not are inherent because of the inherent cruelty of the systems that we have in place i think it it turns that into something to be gawked at um into something that is in in a lot of ways like thrilling almost like a it's it's I feel like it's just this weird, like, emotional trauma tourism, right? Because it's for people that never experience those things to look at and interact with. And I I think, sure, it may make people think, but I, I, and I do think that art has a place being political. However, I think true political art that has impact is art that is created by people that live those realities daily, right? Hmm. Mm-hmm. not are made by wealthy people or famous people who and not saying that there isn't good art made by wealthy famous people or that there isn't good art made by people who you know grew up in awful situations and, and found their way out of that and later make art about their experiences i'm not even saying that there's not value in like vapid 
art that's just pretty or fun. But I think I don't like the way that this is set up. And I think it is a way to make rich people and privileged people feel like they've done something by subjecting themselves to an hour of what other people live day to day. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I I definitely feel that for sure. Um, you know, we there always is people who are privileged, even when they have their eyes, quote unquote, opened. Um it, it isn't lasting or long. And I, I think what you're saying is like, you don't feel like this was presented in the right or in, and not the right way, um, but maybe the most helpful or most effective way. Yeah. And I also think it's like you and I, we, we went to the Black Lives Matter marches that happened this summer. We will continue to go. We're, we're mm-hmm. BLM supporters. Um, we are people of, of privilege and that we're white who would recognize that inherent privilege and want to help but you and i would never make art about what it's like to be black no right because we don't know exactly so why is this person make like so so that's what i'm saying i think i think when you take experiences that do not belong to you and put them on display for other people who do not own those experiences, it becomes this weird, like, voyeuristic thing as opposed to, like, aid, as opposed to help. I feel that. Um, I think the only one that I think would differ with that is with animals because they can't speak for themselves. Right, totally. So, I, I'm, yeah. Which, yeah. Um, I don't know. This, this art amusement amusement park i guess um i also hate that i hate the amusement this place was i mean it spoke to me in a different way it didn't strike me wrong i do understand how it could and how it does feel like not as helpful but i don't know it just it well you're a very empathetic person too you know i think you're you are like easily affected by the hardships of other people in a way that like you you can feel what other people are going through like you may not have those experiences and you know you never will fully understand but you're a person who's easily like touched so I think that this would definitely like knowing you create reactions in you that would make you want to be more empathetic and like maybe make you want to take direct action to help right. I don't think that's going to be the. Re- I think a lot of people are going to go to that place and then be like well I've done my activism for the day I subjected myself to this look at me I'm a good person I understand do you know what I mean yeah I feel like that's kind of I, what this kind of art is about yeah and for me I I find it as a, I find it as a okay way of awareness, and you don't, and that's okay. I mean, you and I are. We're, it's funny because like we agree on so many things, but there are also quite a few things that we're just like, I don't know, that doesn't work for me, like it does for you, and then we're yeah. like, yeah, okay. Tell us what you think. Leave us a five star rating, and in your review, let us know what you think about Disneyland. Yeah. Is it? 
a valid form of activist art or is it trauma porn trauma porn and <laughs> voyeuristic emotional tourism yeah like i really is it sucky <laughs> i know this i know that kind of like veered from the topic but at the same time it didn't um it which is why i wanted to include no i mean i i, I think i, mean, I know some, there's no I rules mean, i think you know the pot no <laughs> there's no rules uh who are you kidding i think the the podcast is about things that are scary right and i mean there is there are there are classic fears like we talk about like ghosts or i don't know being stranded on the ocean and there are also fears like that are very like deeply raw and real and that are lived experiences in the world i think there's plenty to be scared of. And yeah. I think this dismal land was about a lot of those real life horrors. Mm-hmm. And to which some might think are dressed up a little too pretty. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me. I think it's just, well, you know what I think. <laughs> we just, <laughs> let's we just talk for 45 more minutes about, about what, what I what think. think. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's what I kind of went through. I I wanted to I, I started to look up you know more cuz I feel like I don't know, I feel like all I've done this past is like people who have died or gotten injured for the thing like the ocean or whatever. Um so you know, I was looking that up at first and then I found what you're going to talk about and I paused it cuz I was like, "No, I don't want to know yet." Um <laughs> But it was, like, the number one on every list of, uh, like, injuries or, like, bad things at this place. So I'm ready for this story. (laughs) Yeah. um, You know, I decided to be as unoriginal as possible. uh, And though I just spent 15 minutes critiquing someone's art, uh, (laughs) I'm going to talk about the number one thing on every list of (laughs) scary amusement parks. (laughs) Uh, because everyone needs to know that I am so much better than Banksy Uh, I don't pretend to be deep (laughs) and here's here's the one thing that I'll round back to say I've never been to Disneyland or Disney World I want to go to Disneyland Disney World I think it is 100% valid to have I'm, I'm like the both right like I at the same time want the gritty realism but the reminder that yes these places are wonderful but you can't here you here's can't what disappear. I think sorry oh, okay. if you're looking if you're looking for gritty realism you should listen to the people who are living whose daily lived experiences that you don't need to go to an attraction about it you need to listen to people who live that experience every day mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what I think. If you want to be true. aware, if you. But I don't think that all people will listen to those people. That's what I'm saying. Like that. That's where I fall. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. not that story isn't going to always be received by the people who need it most, or they won't seek it out in the first place. I mean, there are mm-hmm. times in both of our lives where we were so comfortable in our privilege that we didn't seek out other narratives you know so i think i also think when you're an adult it's your response like 
when you're out of the influence of like your own little home, it's your responsibility to to open your own eyes to the world. Right. Because plenty of people are talking. And I'll say it again. It is not, it is very, I think it's quite hard to be a good person. However, I think it is the easiest thing to be a decent person. 100%. try. Yeah, just try. It's really not hard to try. Um, Put in a little bit of effort. Just a little and you'll be a decent person. Wow. Yeah. Um, But but, what was I... Oh, you were saying, sorry. Well, I was was also saying that, like, the other half of that is I also think it's a wonderful thing to have these outlets and places like Disney or, you know, whatever is, you know, or coping mechanisms to escape your daily horrors. And um, that's a wonderful thing. However, as we know what Bailey's about to tell us, sometimes those places you go to escape... (laughs) end up not being an escape at all um or well, maybe the ultimate escape, escape. living <laughs> the ultimate escape oh no okay well now for something completely different but this that's similar to other stories i've told on the podcast before uh i do i do want to commend you though really quick i think it's really cool that you talked about something different and that you i don't know i just think it's cool yeah that i didn't you plan on it thanks talk about I like it, yeah. I'm glad you did. Because I am talking about the same old shit. Injuries. Death. And I'm ready to hear it. Look, one of us has to. Okay, so. I am going to tell you about Action Park. So you said you stumbled across it when you were doing your research. Have you ever heard it? Had you ever heard of it before? No, and that's why I paused it. Because I was like, no, I can't know about this. Okay. So, yeah, Charles and I tell each other, like, very minimal details. Like, all I told him was, I'm going to talk about Action Park. And that's just to make sure that we don't... Yeah, that we don't think. I think, um, I, I think I said something like, I, I think I'm going to do, like, the Land of Oz Abandoned Park. So I'm going to talk about Action Park. I actually first heard about Action Park from an Australian podcast called Do Go On. It's much more popular than our podcast, and it's very good. What? We're not <laughs> um, the number one on all the charts? Not yet, but if you leave us a five-star rating and review, maybe we could be. Right. Say anything, really. And honestly, if you want to like talk shit on us, just, just put five stars before you do. And then you can say whatever yeah. you want. Just, we need you to write something and just put five stars up and bada bing, bada boom, you got it. Okay. Action Park was a theme, or, uh, an amusement park, not a theme park. It didn't have a theme. Um, that mm-hmm. was located in Vernon, New Jersey, and it opened on May 26, 1978. Um, my sources for this were a Sports Illustrated article by Jack McCallum, a Newsweek article by Marina Watts, and the good old Wikipedia. And guess what? I did not do an episode of a television show this week. Whoa. And I'm very proud. I learned to read for you. Can we get a round of applause wherever you're listening to this? Thank you. Yes. Um, <laughs> so over the, its time in operation, Action Park gained several nicknames, including Class Action Park, which is also the name of a documentary that came out within the last couple of years um, on HBO about Action Park. So I've heard it's really good. I haven't watched it because I wasn't going to watch a documentary this week. I was going to (laughs) read. So it garnered the nicknames Class Action Park, 
Traction Park, Friction Park, and Accident Park. Not all creative, but all accurate. (laughs) Friction Park? What kind of a dumb name is that? So that was... We'll we'll talk about it. I said they weren't all clever, but they were all accurate. Oh, God. Okay. Okay, so the park was conceptualized in 1976 by Eugene, who goes by Gene, Hill and uh, his company, Great American Recreation. So it's you had actually talked about this with one of your parks. They owned um, a ski area, but because there wasn't snow year-round, they were looking for a way to make money during the summer. Um, so a lot of other ski areas were doing this thing where they would um, open this big slide down the ski trails for people to go on which sounds super fun actually uh and that's what people would do during the summer so they built this one this called the alpine slide and it was 2700 feet long whoa yeah huge and not super safe um by the summer of 1978, they had added two, or Mulda Hill had added two water slides and a go-kart track, um, and he called this Vernon Valley Summer Park. And then in 1979, they went ahead and added more water slides, a deep water swimming pool, tennis courts, a softball field, um, and they sw- they renamed the park Action Park. And they continue to add on to it in the coming years. So ultimately, the park um, evolved into a location that had 75 rides. um, And it consisted of three sections, Alpine Center, Motor World, and Water World. Which is an aside, because I know that this would be very scary to some people. It's scary to me. Uh, There was like a, a like pond in Motor World that was totally infested with snakes oh god like on purpose or by accident just it happened oh i don't think they like imported snakes i think it just Uh, we've got to do snakes at some point i know oh but they they creep me out i like like them but don't like them during quarantine when we were like completely locked down here in chicago i was doing virtual tutoring and one of the boys that i tutored was utterly obsessed with snakes he loved them. And so I had to do all these science lessons and exercises that like revolved around snakes <laughs> to pump him up for learning. And I hated it. And that's how you know I'm a good teacher. Jean Mulvihill was much more concerned with having, with creating this like super fun, kind of out of control, chaotic place and with saving money than he was with safety. Um, One example of this, which I think is super gross, is according to Sports Illustrated, when Gene discovered that the force of hitting the water at the bottom of Surf Hill, so there's like this hill, like one of those hills where you you like surf down, it's a hill where you surf on, I mean, I didn't really need to explain that, (laughs) but (laughs) um, when he discovered that the force of hitting the water at the bottom of Surf Hill could tear off bathing suits... He took immediate action by building a grandstand so spectators could watch this teenage burlesque show. When a local TV reporter filming a live segment on the 70-foot bungee jump at the park called the Snapple Snap-Up Whipper Snapper. Ooh, say that. 
Watching you say that, watching you say that is the highlight of my day. So a local TV reporter was filming a live segment on the 70-foot bungee jump named the Snapple Snap-Up Whipper Snapper. And the person got scared and refused to jump. So this, so uh, one of the people there actually pushed him <gasps> off of the ledge. And um, that w- the person who pushed him was Jean's son, who was under instructions from Jean's older daughter. So I guess the family values were not the best, but they were consistent. Everyone was <laughs> way more concerned with having having fun, quote unquote, than keeping people safe. Which, like, what could go wrong? Did the reporter die? No, it wasn't the reporter. Someone like it's on film. Oh, Someone was filming it. Did so that it was person while, die? No, no one died in that incident. People, people died. But not there. Not then. I don't think. No. Okay. Um, so there are a variety of reasons why people believe that the park was unsafe or that contributed. The park was objectively unsafe, but there are a lot of things that people believe contributed to the danger. And um, one of them was that they built rides super cheaply right, with, like, the cheapest materials that they could. Uh, They did not maintain them properly or sometimes did not perform maintenance at all. Uh, The people that designed the rides had little experience in engineering or physics. (laughs) And so most of the rides were either completely untested or just not tested nearly enough. This, um, <laughs> this is going to go awful. Like, like how, did th- how did this happen? How did this like, happen? How, how did we let this happen as a, as a society? I think we both know the answer to that. <laughs> as far as the staff, um, the park was staffed with inexperienced teenagers who mm-hmm. often drank on the job. Fun. Uh, yeah. Uh, the park served beer, so... They would drink, and also they did not enforce any rules about like over serving or about making sure that the people that they were serving were of age. So you basically have a bunch of like drunk idiots running around in a death trap. So according to Wikipedia, the staff's indifference to many of the park's rules led to a similarly, they called a lawless culture among visitors. Um, So visitors would often get into fights, curse, they would be observing someone like going down a ride and spit on them. Um, It was just this really like rowdy, yeah, place. Uh, So obviously the park was hella dangerous. And as reported by Newsweek, there were over 100 injuries in the year of 1987 alone. And reported by multiple outlets, uh, there was a director of a nearby emergency room that was interviewed, and he said that they treated from 5 to 10 people who were injured at the park um, on the busier days. And this is insane to me. So the park, the park, right? Action Park bought the town of Vernon extra ambulances to keep up with the amount of people they were sending to the hospital. What? 
Mm-hmm. I love that that's the response. It's not, let's make sure make that people well, aren't getting... Buy more ambulances. <laughs> yeah. That, what is this, like Sodom and Gomorrah, the, <laughs> the theme park? Like, what is this? <laughs> it's just a... <laughs> um, yeah. Or what so. was that city in the Bible that Jonah had to try to save? Didn't it start with an N? Nineveh. Yes, uh, that's for all you Bible fanatics out there. (laughs) Yeah, we may not be Christians anymore, but we sure do got some knowledge. Um, Ew, that sounded so country. We sure do got some knowledge. (laughs) But we sure do got that Bible learning. (laughs) We sure do got that Bible learning. Anyway, come on, Sodom and Gomorrah. So now I'm going to talk about some of the incidents that occurred. I'm so scared. (laughs) I'm never going to want to go to a park again. This place is a nightmare. It's like, but it's a, it's like a, well, a very haphazardly, not carefully constructed nightmare. Um, yeah, dismal so. land, but real. <laughs> yeah. These, they should have, you know, interviewed people that experience, that's a lived experience that we could have brought to dismal land. So in the mid eighties, they built uh, and a, a, a ride called the Cannonball Loop, okay. which was an enclosed water slide with a complete vertical loop at the end, like you would find in a roller coaster. Okay. Um, employees at the time said that they were offered $100 to test it. No. So rather... Oh. <laughs> so rather than having, like, I don't know, I'm assuming that they're, like, professional people that test rides at, at places that aren't sure a hellscape, uh, but they were just paying the staff 100 bucks a pop to test it. Um, there is also this popular rumor that one of the test dummies was decapitated on the slide, and Gene himself, when asked about it, said, that probably happened. <laughs> He's like, like yeah, I, I guess. I sure. can't stand this guy. Um, so there were several injuries that occurred on this ride, shockingly enough, uh, including chipped or lost teeth, back injuries, and bloody noses. Those were all common. Um, something that's disgusting and terrifying is that some of the teeth that people lost on the ride actually got embedded into the slide, which, oh God, it's going to make me gag. Stop. You can't always gag when things are gross. Okay. Reel it in. Um, So some of the teeth that people lost got embedded in the slide, which caused two riders to get scraped up by them as they would down. Ooh. (laughs) Get scraped by some teeth. (laughs) Teeth scraping. Stop it. I hate other people's teeth. <laughs> I don't want, like, I, the idea of, like, the idea of someone else's teeth, like. Okay, before you throw up, move on. We, we I, what do you think about sorry. my teeth? <laughs> I think your teeth are beautiful, but I don't want them to slice open my thigh as I ride down a water slide. Me and, Ga- me and Gailey, oh my god, me and, <laughs> accurate, me and Bailey play this game, um, 
We don't know what it's called, but we call it. I call it the pain game. Oh, the pain game. I think game. that's what you're talking Where, about. Where like one of us will bite each other until the other says "ow," and then the other person bites you in the same place until you say "ow," and that's it. That's the game. Yep. And see, I don't know. That like doesn't bother me. I think it's the idea of like. A stranger's extracted teeth touching me. Yes. A slide with teeth also doesn't really bode well in my my mind. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Hate it. (laughs) New water slide now with teeth. Like, (laughs) we need to talk about the tidal wave pool, which was the most dangerous attraction. Uh, It was built in 1981, so not too long after the park opened. Uh, it nick- earned the nickname the Grave Pool as opposed to the Wave Pool because of how many accidents occurred there. Accidents um, or deaths? Like, well, we'll talk about it. Okay. So, the slide was 100 feet wide, and or the slide. Hello. So the pool was 100 feet wide and 250 feet long. It could hold anywhere from 500 to 1,000 people. That's a lot of people. Huge. With, and, and, like, always packed. Um, the waves were super strong. So this is not like you would find a Big Splash. I think Big Splash is places other than Oklahoma. I don't think so. Okay. Well, this isn't something you would find <laughs> at whatever water park is <laughs> local to you. Um, this is chaos. So the waves were generated every 20 minutes. Um And so they had, like, a 10-minute break between them from, like, one wave making its completion to the next wave coming out. Uh, And they could get as high as 40 inches. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, So on on the busier days, lifeguards would rescue up to 30 people a day. A day. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, is that people either overestimated their swimming abilities... Cut that out. I know things. I know geography. Uh, <laughs> Judy Garland, New Jersey. <laughs> She's got it all, folks. You better fucking cut that Judy Garland stuff out, or I will. I will not publish the episode until you cut out. I will, that but can cluster. I leave? Can I leave that statement in? <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, eventually. Uh, so, like, people would overestimate their swimming abilities, or people who could swim well even got, because of the size of the pool and the size of the waves, yeah, these are they three got... three-foot waves, like... Yeah, they got so fatigued that some of them would, like, start to drown because they wouldn't be able to make it to the side of the pool, or... Yeah, so... Um, and also, keep in mind, like, people are drinking. Most of the people there are drinking quite a bit, yeah. so it's just, a like, a stew of hell. Um, so because of how many rescues they had to perform, eventually staff started labeling guests who had required rescue with a wristband that said CFS, which stood for can't fucking swim. I'm sorry. So now it's like the, the customer fault, like the guest's fault. Like, oh, it is always the guest's fault. (laughs) <laughs> like, well, they can't swim, so... Yeah, and in fact, like, that is a really common thing that happened, is that um, a lot of times that people would get injured or even pass away, Jean would claim that it was 
the guest's fault and that his son actually was interviewed in the Sports Illustrated article. His son, who also, I'm calling you out, Andy, you're a piece of shit, um, said he was like, there's um, a certain amount of risk that people accept when they go to a, uh, an amusement park. Something along those lines. And I'm like, yeah, there's a certain amount. Yeah. It not doesn't the amount that you're drowning. talking about. Yeah. Like- and so that was a really common thing, just blaming it on the guest. Uh, and then the last super, like, well, they were all actually, we'll talk about more, but a lot of the rides were super dangerous. But another one that was super dangerous was that Alpine slide that I told you about at the beginning. Mm-hmm. The, the mm-hmm. one that started it all, that 2,700 foot slide. So the way that it worked is that people would go down this slide in a sled and the sled had a stick that they used to control their speed and that's all they had to like control. And basically it either allowed them to go super slow or this incredibly fast like breakneck pace. There were two speeds. Shaking my head. The sleds rode on chutes that were made of fiberglass, concrete, and asbestos, (laughs) which caused riders who fell or who, like, who who tipped their cart, uh, their sled, to get seriously scraped up on those rough materials. Um, (laughs) so those are, like, the regular occurrences at the park. This is the shit that's happening every day. No teeth. Well, the, the teeth, it, people chip their teeth or lost their teeth like almost every day hmm. on that that 360 loop. The dentist around Action Park, New Jersey, real busy. I don't think they got him fixed. <laughs> there was this weird culture around Action Park of like people, people were excited to tell about the injuries that happened to them there. Oh, like, like it was kind yeah, of like, like their the injury club. They're like, well, I lost was, my entire. It was like arm. one of those one of those like universal coming of age experiences. Like a lot of people went in their late teens and early twenties. That was a lot of the demographic. So it was kind of like part of growing up was like getting your teeth knocked out at Action Park. <laughs> um, Lol. Like, I know. So. We're going to talk about the deaths now. Great. Yeah. This is actually really sad. So uh, the first death that occurred was not long after the park's opening. It was in on July 8th, 1980. And 19-year-old George Larson Jr. was riding that alpine slide we were just talking about, and his sled flew off the track, <sighs> uh, which is always one of my biggest fears like every time even though i enjoy roller coasters and yeah, i enjoy like a, rides a i always derailing. think i always think what if it just went off the track like and that scares me yeah. um and this happened it happened to him and he fell about 25 feet and he hit his head on a rock this caused him to go into a coma and he passed away a few days later um this pisses me off Shockingly, I know because of my demeanor throughout this entire report, you must be very surprised that I'm pissed off, Uh, but this really pissed me off. So a lot of sources report that George was an employee of the park, but I found, um, according to Wikipedia, um, that Gene Mulvihill, the owner, he actually told the reporters that the man was an employee because if he was an employee, then... Gene didn't have to report his death to the state. 
And the man had worked at the park before it was Action Park. He worked at like the ski park um, as a ski lift operator a season ago. He never actually worked at Action Park. Ugh. Like. This, this, is this dude still around? No, he's dead. Ugh. And a lot of people like, it's really disgusting actually because a lot of people are interviewed about him in, in various sources and in the Sports Illustrated article, like I said, his son is interviewed and so is another person that knew him that worked at the park and they all like say, they all excuse his behavior as like, oh, he was just living life. Like that's what happens when you play fast and loose. Like sometimes there are consequences, but that was just Gene. Like Gene was just a crazy kind of guy who like wanted to live life to the fullest and it's very like tiger king vibes like yeah and i'm i here's my thing no more making excuses for reckless men i'm not taking it anymore okay she's done no more i'm done enough enough also like okay this dude played fast and loose and like to live life hard or whatever but he did that with other people's lives yeah, he do that was, with your life like all He you wasn't want. killed at this dumbass theme park. Like and yeah, and ugh, it just made me disgusted. Uh and then he actively covered it up, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of taking this death as like, wow, I really haven't been careful enough. I should really pay more attention. I, my actions, you know, it part of being a kid is getting scraped up or whatever but my actions are seriously hurting people and that's not fun anymore gene <sighs> heated okay <laughs> she's heated welcome <laughs> to the cool down section where we well not yet because i have a few more deaths oh, to okay. talk about okay 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 so in 1982 two years after 19 year old george larson jr died on the alpine slide a 27-year-old man was on the kayak experience. So this was a ride that simulated white water rafting. Um, his kayak flipped, and when he got out to turn it over, he either touched or got very close to a section of live wiring that was just out beneath the water. There's just this exposed live wire hanging out under the water and it was not uncommon for people's kayaks to flip so it could have happened to anybody and he got a severe electric shock because he got shocked by a wire in while in water um and that actually led to his death from a cardiac arrest so the shock caused him to have a fatal heart attack this is insane i know also, oh, hi, these Elvis. rides did not. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, Bailey has a cat named Alvis. He's a fluffy little grump, and he's in frame. He always looks mad. He's not though. He's a sweet little. Baby. I'm mad. <laughs> She's mad. <laughs> yeah, and also a lot of the times these rides did not. So these rides were not permanently closed after these deaths. Of course not. I'm not... I, I don't expect anything at this point. Yeah. There you go. Um, okay. So, two years after that, in 1984, um, I wasn't able to find this person's name, but a, a man passed away uh, from a heart attack, which occurred during his experience at the Tarzan Swing. So, the Tarzan Swing 
was a steel arch that hung from a 20-foot cable over a pool which was filled from an icy cold natural spring. So patrons would hang from this steel arch and like swing out over the, like notebook style, right? In that movie they do that. So they would swing out over the water and then jump in. That was it. That was the attraction. How high was that? It was, I don't, I'm not sure how, oh, exactly okay. how high up, but that's not how he passed away. So it's actually believed that he passed away from a heart attack induced by the shock of the cold water that he jumped into mm. because they obviously like I'm sure they weren't monitoring the temperature of this water and it was like filled from this cold spring right um, in New Jersey like I don't I don't think New Jersey is known for being a, a really tropical. really warm place yeah yeah um and so additionally three people drowned in the tidal wave pool three uh, 15 year old George Lopez in July of 1982, 20 year old Donald DePass in 1984, and the park's final fatality, which was 18 year old Gregory. And it's, I don't know, it's either Grand Champs or Grand Champ in 1987. And so six people died at this one amusement park during its years of operation. What the fuck? You said six people in total? Six people died. And then, you know, up to a hundred a year injured. Right. How long did this place run? So it was opened from 19... It was almost 20 years. It was open from 1978 to 1997. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's when you and I... We're born a couple years before that. We stopped Action Park. You're welcome. Um, that's that's crazy. This place is open for almost 20 years. Yes. And finally, it caught up to them because in June of 1997, uh, Great American Recreation, which was the parent company of Action Park, announced that it would be discon- dis- dis- discontinuing all of its operations, including Action Park. So the company had gone completely bankrupt. Uh, Some sources say that it was millions of dollars in debt uh, due to fraud indictments. So not only a piece of shit, but (laughs) also also fraud. (laughs) Um, And lawsuit settlements. Uh, And some of the lawsuit settlements that they paid out were a result of these deaths. Uh, Gene Mulvihill has since passed away, like I said. And his son, Andy, who was interviewed in the Sports Illustrated article, who I also do not like, uh, wrote a book about Action Park. And he says in that dumbass... Sorry, I didn't like the way that this article treated Gene, because I think every article should start off with, first of all, Gene Mulvihill was a piece of shit who let people die. Um, but they, like, posthumously... Posthumously? Post... Pick another word because I don't know. I don't know that Posthumous. one. Posthumous. Posthumously. It's posthumously. What does that mean? It means after death. Oh. I think okay. it's posthumously. Gave this dumbass the microphone by interviewing people who talked about him and his quote unquote legacy. Um, your legacy is death. 
and destruction and people being hurt when they didn't need to be, okay? It's not that you were a super fun guy who just, like, wanted to have a good time. And that's crazy to me that the park was only shut down because it ran out of funding, not because of the countless injuries and six deaths. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And there is a lot to talk about with Action Park. So, but because this is a podcast where we tell multiple stories, I, I can't go as in depth as like this the documentary i'm sure does or um you know or like some of these articles that are like huge exposés but there there were investigations into like whether or not gene had some sort of uh like relationship with members of the government like the local government to keep him from getting closed down so that was a suspicion um so he's passed away and his son andy actually wrote a book about action park i don't know who gives a shit that guy i don't want to hear what he has to say anymore um oh yeah here's the quote so uh he said of his father in the sports illustrated article gene cut a lot of corners a lot of corners and sometimes he got caught and there were repercussions that's what happens when you live life like there is no tomorrow okay no i just want, i just want to say something to gene to gene wherever you are for those people that died due to your negligence there was no tomorrow and those were real people with real families who loved them and cared about them and you were reckless and cheap and you cost them their lives so fuck you gene and fuck you andy Okay, I feel a lot better now. (laughs) Welcome to the cool down with Bailey and Charles, where we talk about ice cubes and chill vibes. Oh my god, I don't want to talk about ice. I can never talk about ice again. She's dealing with some current winter. Um, Welcome to the chill. This is a section of the podcast. Where I sing Bailey a song to soothe her. Do you feel soothed? I uh, I do a little bit. Here, imagine. You don't need to continue. No, I'll do it. Here. (laughs) Bailey is gonna be okay, cause Jean's gone, and so is Andy. I think Andy's still around. He's still here, but that's okay, because you and I are going to track him down. And No, you can't say that. Oh, okay. <laughs> you can't make threats against someone's life. <laughs> what is this episode? <laughs> um, so this is, what, this is what that really got to me, because it is, like, kind of funny Right when you first start talking about this, about like funny in the way like, oh my god, can you can you believe this? Yeah, you know. But then you think about the real toll that like it took. He took six people away, and they yeah, were and like young let people. it be known that like mm, that's not a that's not a common occurrence. With that's what's parks. so crazy to me. Yeah, exactly. It's usually like so- one or two. But, like, there are so many parks that have never had a fatality. Yeah, and this, that too. This, all of these happened in the span of seven years. 
These six fatalities happened in seven years. So if you're averaging almost a fatality a year, close your fucking park down. I'm getting I'm getting heated again. I've got to breathe. Anyway, that is the uh, that is a, a condensed version of the story of Action Park. May it fuck off forever. And that's Amen. the condensed version. Woof. Like <laughs> Yeah. Why um, wasn't that a section at Dismal Land? That's what I wanna know. Where was that? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Uh that yeah. Isn't that crazy? I just I that's think crazy. So... And I I also don't know how I I mean I know that we were really young when the park closed down, but I don't know how I never heard of this before. I don't know. It's either. almost unreal. And because I've watched a lot of like compilations and stuff before this of, um, you know like crazy rides and crazy roller coasters yeah. and whatever. And I'm just surprised that I never came across it. Same. You said across. I've heard it. <laughs> the word is across. Um, you know, when I was a kid, though, Why I did you say that? Across? I it's, I think it's like a country thing. Hmm. I'm a city girl now, so I don't say it anymore. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I moved to a bigger city. So. I'm a city girl, and I dug my car out of three inches. No, three feet of snow and ice today. I was like, what? Oh, yeah. That must have been hard for you to dig your car out of three inches of snow. <laughs> no, it's literally it. three feet. And I didn't was not wearing gloves. And at one point, my hand got stuck to the shovel. Why weren't you wearing gloves? I want to because... talk about reckless. Someone's okay. looking to get some frostbite and lose her hand. She said, live like there's no tomorrow. Anyway... <laughs> What a crazy episode. I I think that what is the scariest thing that we've discussed today, what we've learned is that the real horror is the carelessness of man. I feel like along with the carelessness of man, we've learned that there are real world consequences to think about and that there is always... There's always room for fun and good times, but sometimes you are faced with the reality that it's a scary world out there. So hold on to the people you love. Bye! Bye. Oh, I <laughs> brought did. it home, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>